So one of the skills we uh, conceive of and encourage and try to pick up uh, is the ability to pervade and suffuse, which uh, refers the the energetic or energy property of the chitta, of heart-mind. So often we may, we don't really know what the mind is. People don't necessarily know what it is, or know what what the potentials are. They know what it does: jumps, it it scurries, it sinks, it uh, conceives, it turns around in circles. It's a monkey. It's a monkey. It's a slug. It's an elephant. (laughs) Skyrocket. No, that's not what it is, that's what it does. How can it have so many different forms? When it's sweet and singing and soaring, when it's sunk and crashing, and when it's uh, feverish and uh, when it's malevolent, how can it have so many different forms? These are called formations, sankara. It adopts particular forms. You talk about being narrow-minded or broad-minded. How is a mind narrow or broad? <laughs> Hard-hearted, soft-hearted. Hard-hearted. Referring to experiences that we all can recognise, different shapes, different tonalities of mind, which we experience, and we half get it. Because the mind can do so so many things, take on so many different characteristics, because essentially it's none of them. It just gets shaped into that particular pointy form, where it's being effective and efficient, just rattles along, duck, 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 like a machine, mm-hmm. popping, duck, 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 going very fast. Other times it can just sink, mm-hmm. become swampy, and flooded, and can't think straight. Because it's energies, it's an energy formation or energy potential, rather like a uh, well, of course, you give it any shape. It's called a vortex. It's like the wind. It's like electricity. It's an energy that can take on many different shapes and vigor, power, aggression. Or it could expand and embrace, suffuse, like mist. Like the air that suffuses, that fills this room. Like a balloon that can just begin to expand as the air comes into it. The chitta can take on many different shapes and forms and trajectories because essentially it is none of them. But <laughs> Also, the nature of jitta is it gets shaped, 
doesn't shape itself for no reason. Subject, it's shaped according to causes and conditions. Causes and conditions are the effects uh, of impact. When it's shocked, confused, disoriented, it changes shape. When it's uplifted and bright, it changes shape. When things that lift it up, changes shape. Becomes bright, expansive, generous, grand, become firm, like a rock. Because of causes and conditions. Causes and conditions are also of an energetic nature. That means that when we hear something, it's not the sound that bothers us, particularly it's the suddenness and the sharpness and the unexpectedness of that sound. And when the mind, thinking mind, picks that up, or the organizing mind, which is called manas, picks that rapid disturbance up, it triggers panic. Disturbed, impacted, shouldn't, and then jitter startles, it goes into a shock pattern. So you get what you call immediate effects, sudden impacts, you just get chronic effects when it, for long periods of time it's held in, under a particular uh, pressure, the pressure of abuse, for example, long-term abuse or degradation, jitter becomes contracted and small. <coughs> And when a contracted and small jitta loses contact with a sense of trust, openness, expansiveness. Because it hasn't been in that shape for so long, it's almost lost a recognition of that particular form. Though there are causes and conditions that are about the presence of particular negative circumstances, yeah. And these are not just the sounds or the sights, but even more fundamentally the meanings of things. Being betrayed. What's a betray? <laughs> There's no particular sound or sight associated with it. There's a very strong meaning associated with it. Yeah. No foundation. That which the jitta was relying upon has been has suddenly been removed. Oy. It loses uh, foundation. It loses foundation because that which it was resting on has been withdrawn. This is why one is always encouraged, because of the uh, uh, unfortunate uh, nature of human beings, uh, is to place your foundation on the Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha. Uh, what they mean, what they carry, and this will not be taken away from you. So this is what skillful people generally do. Other people may or may not be reliable, but there will always be the property of awakening, there will always be the property of clarity, of skillfulness, there will always be the property of Dhamma, and there will always be the property of Sangha. Practice, Dhamma, penetrate. 
immediately feeling, uh, practice with it. We have these meanings in our mind, the jitta can take a shock and then push back, come back into a true shape or uncontracted shape. So there are shapes or formations that occur because of the presence of a disturbing or unhealthy, toxic uh, influence, either short term or even worse, long term. Short term, if it's very profound, it becomes a trauma. Long term also can be chronic, uh, persistent, uh, abusiveness, deceit, and so forth. And this definitely shapes the chitta into an unhealthy, unstable pattern where it loses the ability to experience uh, expansiveness, openness which are the kind of forms that are accompanied by emotions such as love, trust, generosity, humor, expansive heart, great heart. There are also causes and conditions that are about the absence of something. So the absence of security, a sense of you're safe, you're protected, it's okay. There's something looking after you, which is generally associated with childhood, but the absence of security, which it never really relaxes. It's always got feels it's got to do it all. Mm. This again is not unusual. Uh, probably the absence of a secure, empathic environment uh, means that jitta goes into it. Well, you've got to do it all on your own. Because there's no one around, nothing else around is going to give you any support. We go into that particular pattern. Um, and so, which means you can, you can get by, certainly. And some people can manifest considerable survival and strategies and independence and do it. But they never experience a sense of really being loved and being able to open. And let, and let go because security and empathy has not been uh, strongly present so Chitta doesn't know how to relax uh, and, and just receive so the absence of conditions once we uh, even get a hint of some of these experiences which most of us experience from time to time We've all been let down, uh, uh, betrayed in some degree or another, however you know, dramatic or undramatic that may be. And we may very well have just shrugged and said, okay, well, get on with it, which is good. But still, even though that we can do that, we can just push on. In meditation practice or in Dhamma practice, there's a potential to actually release the jitter from these more contracted patterns. So it becomes expansive and suffusive and bright.
And the nature of mind, citta, is that it, uh, you could say, it remembers. Now you know you have this substance called memory foam, I don't know if you know about this, whereby you can have a mattress on a pillow or something, and it, you know, and, and you lie in it, and it kind of remembers your shape. <laughs> in other words, it's shaped in terms of fit your, it shapes itself to fit your body. Jitter is something like that. These, as you can imagine, a wave formation, an energetic formation that's oscillating in particular waves. And so something affects it and the wave is distorted. That distortion won't release until we go back to that area and provide what wasn't available or remove this memory that that distortion is the essential memory. That distortion is, is the essential memory. Not a thought. The thought we have can trigger it. We go back to that distortion of lost or accused or let down or something. The thought can take us back to that particular distortion in the chitta and then we feel it again. And then we strategize around how we do that, shrug it off, push past, never mind, you know, something like that. The thought takes thought takes us back or recatalyzes that particular emotion or heart formation. Just like the Pavlovian dog, you know, you ring the bell, the dog salivates. Um, this is really the same sort of thing happens. We hear that voice or that attitude or that gesture or we see someone who reminds us of it and then we get that same effect what happens and of course this is necessarily external circumstances sometimes the chitta actually brings these things up as as we're processing the chitta these you begin to reveal some of these distortions you don't decide to exactly but just if you're reducing the amount of sense data, talking and doing stuff that we would do in daily life, the chitta does is revealed because we've taken away the surface layers or not energized the surface layers. And so the pattern of the jitta becomes more apparent and these distortions start to manifest. So, uh, and then what occurs is there's this sense of wavering and uncertainty or something like that and then we see something that reminds us of it this is called projection she looks like my mother so I feel slightly nervous about her I don't actually know her but because she looks like my mother I get this nervous effect something of this nature occurs Group situations, come into a group situation, people following particular routines. What does that do? School again. Yeah. Then as you think it, we get that feeling of got to go and this get lesson to another boring lesson, wish I could go out and play. <laughs> or we get job experience. Oh well, got to grind through another hour or so and get something done. Or we get army experience, if you've been in the army. Because those are very standard group 
experiences. We're not having a party, and it's going to be school, job, army, something like that. These are not necessarily thoughts, but the jitta manas, the mano mind, translates this rough estimation of experience into habitual perceptions. Reminds me of, reminds me of. And the jitta experiences what it reminds me of. This occurs in, <laughs> because of course we're exceptionally sensitive to other people. Those are main, mainly that's our fundamental, most important, significant uh, uh, response systems around what other people do and say. That reminds me of. And it may not even be something we, we think. It's got an instinctive feeling of, he doesn't like me. Because something about the expression on his face, which could be could be having a headache, he's got that slightly tense expression on his face. He doesn't like me. Yeah. So common, yeah. and particularly if <laughs> you know many retreat centres, you share a room with somebody. And the idea is you don't you don't talk to them, and it's so common for the one person to think. She, she doesn't like me, she disapproves of me. The other person's thinking, well, she's so awesome, amazing, I feel, feel, feel pretty, over, you know, so in awe of her. So she's slightly withdrawn because she's so amazed and in awe of this other person. And person B thinks she doesn't like me. It's <laughs> a completely wrong, wrong understanding. And both people can be living in that particular <laughs> perception. Just even the physiology of the face. You know, people who've got scars or particular physiologically look a bit grim, very sweet hearted, but look grim, so you think, oh, it's a threatening person. <laughs> and of course, it goes the other way around, doesn't it? You know, people are always smiling and charming, they're actually deceitful. But we fall for their charm or their smiles or the easy manner. We get duped by it. This is, you know, this is how politics works, isn't it? Or advertising. You present some smiling, happy, cheerful, relaxed countenance and people, oh, well, it must be good. <laughs> Simplistic slogans. For the good of our country. Good of our country. We'll do this for the good of our country. Uh, what, are you, what are you talking about? You mean, when you say our country, do you mean the earth? No. Nope. Do you mean the... Um, you know, what do you mean? There's generally some kind of slogan that means what the government say. <laughs> so you'll have to sacrifice for the good of our country. Okay. Strike that note. You know, the slogans trigger particular impulses. So this chitta is like this. It's affected, it's shaped. And particular patterns or programs, sankharas, are established through repeated shaping of the chitta in a certain form. The mistrust sankara, which means 
knowing slightly withdrawn, defensive. Yes, that's completely understandable because there's a lot of, you know, thieving or you've been being stolen from you. You know, absolutely understandable. So there's a withdrawn defensive quality. Yeah, that's. Sorry about that. But you have to feel that. You're stuck with that. Hmm? Or you get the I've got to do it all pattern for various reasons. Scurry around trying to do everything. And people say, she's so bossy. She's so bossy and controlling. And the person's thinking, well, nobody else is going to do it. I'd better go ahead and do it. And then that person. <laughs> controlling, bossy, frantic is what she's labelled at and she's experienced herself as dutiful, diligent trying to help everybody wow because she's doing that because of causes and conditions and we interpret it because of our causes and conditions These, these programs become ways in which they get so established that you know, we don't really know any other way because those become so familiar these sankaras and this is what's called karma which means if you, you keep following those trajectories then you, you think it, you speak it, you act it out and you deep, more deeply, persistently establish that particular form until you get locked into that form and this even with relatively good intentions, <laughs> this firms up who you are. And for in terms of this liberation practice, that's not good. You want to release <coughs> to the true nature of citta. It's expansive, open, available, not habitual, not programmed. So it's able to flex and change, or just quiet depending on situations. So you get responsibility shapes, you get must-be-efficient shapes, you get don't-trust-anybody shapes, you get I'm-inadequate shapes, you get nobody-likes-me shapes in these, in these, uh, in this jitta experience. This is all the shaping, the sankhara, the formations that occur. Aggressive shapes, push through, you know, collapse shapes, oh, I can't manage this. As soon as we meet some resistance. So the practitioner is beginning to sense some of this. That's funny. You know, how many mothers did I have? And yet she reminds me of my mother. She reminds me of my mother. She, I've only had one of them. <laughs> And this isn't the school or the army or the factory, so why am I doing this? Why am I so defensive when everybody here is keeping precepts and is, you know, not bothering me and not annoying me? Why am I so Because of karma, because of old karma called vipaka, you've been shaped into a particular pattern. There's nothing to feel guilty about, but to be realistic and say, well, you know, this is going to go on. You know, this is going to go on impairing your life. 
in removing your potential for freedom unless you begin to come to terms with it, meet it, and change the pattern. Uh, so, you know, this is, this is the understanding. You've got to change those patterns. There's no point in blaming yourself for having them because blaming is not a skillful pattern. Blaming is not a skillful sankara. Blaming and criticizing just does not do you any good. You've got to do loving instead. <laughs> yeah. and loving doesn't mean you like something or feel happy about it. It just means you offer unconditional acceptance of the chaos and the madness of your, of your mind. <laughs> it's that openness. That's where it begins. The non-aversion, non-resistance. And uh, this may seem like a tall order. Well, I'm not a very loving person, frankly. Sounds great, but I can't do that. I'm not very receptive, open. Okay, if you want to follow that one, you lock yourself up if you like, if you want to do that. But you've got to try to be just a little more receptive, open, accepting. And what would help you do that? Take a long breath out. What's, it, what's that got to do with my mind? Well, because all things that touch the heart touch the body. And I don't mean skin and bones. I mean the energetic, you could call it the nervous system of the body. We jump, we seize up, we tighten, we relax in our bodies. And the beauty uh, is that so all heart memory in this level, not the ideas, but the impressions, the energetic impressions, are mirrored in the body. In fact, they may even begin in the body. You know, so the, at this level, body and the heart are not separate at an energetic level. What the heart is, in, is pushed by, the body's energetic system is also pushed by. Beauty of it is that the body itself doesn't have a single idea or thought. There's no particular, it's not an embarrassed body, it's not a guilty body, it doesn't say, well, I shouldn't feel this, it just does feel it. And, and you can work on just cleaning the energetic patterns in the body through breathing in and breathing out. Breathing in and breathing out will begin to release, like melting an ice flow, will begin to give a warming, steadying effect, ripples through the body's energetic system, and that definitely begins to tweak and release the heart's energetic system, the heart's distortions and patterns. And so we have to really see this as a tremendous access point, because with the mental stuff, we get so reactive and layered and counteracting and identifying and adding more and more shouldn't be this way, shouldn't feel like that to it. That it, it just We don't get down to the point. If you do feel like this, you should or shouldn't is a second matter. How can you generate and open to that mudra, that attitude of acceptance, let it be there, let it feel it as it is, let it feel it as it is,
with a mind of generosity, openness, patience, compassion. Because these, of course, are words, aren't they? What's a compassion? I should be more of it. That's what it is. I should be more compassionate. No, that's, that's not it. It's a particular... Hmm, how is that? Tell me more. Hmm. Listening to the pulse of distress. Listening to the pulse of distress. Hmm. Placing attention caring, sensitive attention onto the pulse and the sound of distress. Mm. Resonating with it. Not reacting to it, not adding more stories or, or words to it, feeling it more thoroughly. And this uh, is made much more reliable and steady if you feel it in terms of the bodily experience and you accompany all your uh, attitudes towards your mind your inclinations towards your heart to your uh, uncertainty or your sorrow or your defensiveness or whatever it's just with a breathing in and breathing out so and the most healthy breathing in breathing out is, is a long for deeply releasing breathing out letting go as if you don't have an in-breath feeling what you can of your body as you breathe out waiting until the in-breath happens completely involuntary in-breath and then feeling your chest your throat as if you're gently, very slowly and gently inflating a balloon filling up expansive not pumping but just gently expanding this begins to break through the crust of dullness or impatience defensiveness because it's what it does because defensiveness is like a contracted crust that we wear for good enough reasons and this ability to just really allow the inhalation to open you and pause and then really allow it all to gently steadily release, breathing out I will say many times that the Buddha never recommended or asked us to focus on our breath but to be mindful of the process of breathing so when you want to refer to this experience it's not about the movement of, well it's not about the air itself but that, how does an in-breath happen? So just give up breathing at all. Wait, and you'll feel there's a particular pull. Now that means an energy. Something's switched on, and it's doing something. It's pulling. It's activating certain muscles in the lower belly. That, that's an energy, and it starts to pull. 
don't make any effort to breathe in. Let it do it. Let the body do it itself. It knows how to do it. So you give up breathing and let the body do it. And it pulls and you feel you know, chest, diaphragm. That's an that's an energy that's pulling. That's a, that's the sankara. It's a particular program the body has. Let it complete itself. Don't be in a hurry. Don't imagine you stop breathing in. Keep going until it feels it has completed, and then it also it seems to know that. Otherwise, presumably you'd explode. But. <laughs> It knows when to stop, that's enough. There's a pause. And it knows how to release the breath out. The effect of it suffuses quite a wide range of the body. It's not just something that happens in the lungs. This energy shimmers through the entire body. And in terms of what you do, you keep undoing the tendency to control it or breathing too quickly as a reflex because we've all become so accustomed to hurrying yeah. or not breathing, let the in-breath completely fill you because we've been encouraged to get on to the next thing all the time in the world to allow it allow it, allow it, allow it, allow it, allow it allow the pause Allow the outbreath. That is the attitude of mind which invites a very expansive wave pattern of citta rather than pushing, trying to make it work, trying to be good at it, feeling you can't do it. Those are contracting attitudes. Expansive attitude is allowing, allowing, allowing. Don't know, don't know, allowing. See what happens. And then all the same thing out. So that's that's an expansive intention. That's an expansive intention. And as you do so, you're training your attention to also be expansive. Anything in your entire body could be in the flickerings of warmth, tinglings, through the nervous system, fingertips, skin, space around you. How is that? Expansive attention, expansive intention. This ability to expand intention, which you think, what? What's that? Well, this is what we've been chanting, suffusing the all encompassing world with the mind expands its intention it comes out of the well I've got to do this and then that and then this and then that and maybe this but I don't know about that I'll just cover all of it and just open the quality of willingness to be here willingness to be here with whatever this is the expansion of intention and the mind is made great with that and the Distortions are, are are removed. This is how we practice expanding intention, returning to the formations of the mind, and clearing, 
cleaning negative formations. So let's take time for direct practice. <clears throat> 